From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello and welcome to From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio, the local cricket show where we round up all of the action from around the county in Cambridgeshire and get all the latest news from the local scene. On today's show, March Town President Les Mills joins myself and Callum Guest to chat about their start to the Camden Hunts Premier League season in Whitings 1, which is the top division in the Premier League. March 6th, 5th at the minute after a nail-biting victory over local rivals Wisbeach. What a cracking win that was for them on the weekend. We'll also be talking about their second team, which play in CCA Group A. Also, a full roundup of the Whiting's divisions and chat about our local EAPL East Anglian Premier League side too. Les will be taking on Callum in the latest beat. The guest, still no one has managed to do so as of yet. Can Les be the first man to do so? We'll also be looking ahead to the third test between England and Pakistan, which starts on Friday, talking T20 and also women's cricket as South Africa pull out of the tour to England. We'll be rounding up the Bob Willis trophy matches and Les also ask his big question too. That one's a cracker. If you want to contribute to the show, you can do at FTP Cricket 105 on both Twitter and Facebook. As ever, we love to hear your views, opinions and news ahead of the weekend's play. Thanks very much for tuning in. My name is Ollie Slack. Delighted as ever to welcome alongside me my co-host Callum Guest. Thanks for coming on the show, Callum. No problem. And a great pleasure this week to welcome on March Town President Les Mills. Les, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for the invite. How have you been over the last few weeks, months, lockdown, etc.? Um, played a lot of golf, done a little bit of cycling, which I'm sure a lot of cricketers have done. Um, I think probably like a lot of players and umpires, we'd written the season off, to be perfectly honest. Didn't expect to play. Uh, so it's great that we're playing again. And, and the players seem, I umpire in the Whitings League, and the players seem to be abiding by the rules and regulations. And... It, it's, it's not that bad, to be perfectly honest. Every six overs, you sanitise your hands and we sanitise the ball and we get going again. Um, I think the thing is players having to come change. It's when it rains, that's the big problem. You're supposed to sit in your cars, you can't sit in the pavilion. I done cams over 60, just it market deep in. Well, it rained like it's never rained before. And everyone has to sort of go home, but that's life. We're, we're getting a game or two in, that's the main thing for everybody. I was going to say, is it your job to enforce all these new rules, rules that you've got to remember? It is, uh, but not off the field. And some clubs off the field do it better with social distancing than others. I think there's a great assumption by the younger generation that they will not catch COVID-19, so therefore it doesn't apply to them. So, uh, But we can only do what we're supposed to do on the field. But we're getting games in cricket, that's the main thing. Callum, how have you been over the the last week another another nice win for you boys on the weekend yeah just going back to les's point it was probably this saturday was probably the big test wasn't it with uh mm. weather, weather around and it's probably the first time we've actually had a spot of rain about so it was kind of the test for to see how the social distancing went but like you said i think most clubs are abiding by it pretty well and yeah it was a great going back to your point there it was a great win on saturday yeah we played really well yeah we'll come on to that a little bit more later on Let's firstly chat about uh, Whiting's one first of all, and just the three games this weekend. Eaton Sacred versus Fox and Fell foul to the weather. That was abandoned, so they get two points each. Uh, St Ives Town and Warboys continue to, I guess, surprise uh, spectators and uh, players amongst the game, but also prove themselves very handy in Whiting's Division 1, beating Histon. Uh, they batted first a 30-over game, so reduced clearly agreed before the start. 119 for 9 off 30. Bold Histon out for 70 in 22.1 overs. So St Ives Town and Warburg won that by 49 runs. Amit Gupta getting a four for as well there. And uh, the game will come on to a bit more detail later on. Wisbeach Town versus March Town. The local derby, the crunch match. Wisbeach batting first, getting 226 for six off 40. March Town chasing it down. The loss of eight wickets with about nine balls to spare. Shardell Brambach getting 83 there and really holding that innings together. Callum, before we come on to Wisbeach against March, St Ives Town and Warburg, they continue to, like I said, probably surprise a few people, but they now sit top of the league and, and beaten probably the favourites in Histon. I think it must be the luck of the show. I think since he's come on the show, they're undefeated, aren't they? Um, it's been yeah, an incredible little run for them, but like we said right at the start of the season, in, in that division, everyone can beat everyone on their day. I think that just proves it really, but it's fantastic to see a club come up, be slightly, you know, relatively ambitious and are now sitting top of the pile, so it's really good to see. 
I was going to say, there's, a, I guess, a number of reasons why you could look into it and say they're doing well. I guess one, you could say perhaps those teams at the top have reduced slightly in terms of quality. Maybe it's because they've those teams sort of lower down the leagues have improved. But also, if you look at the, the two sort of standout sides in the Cambridgeshire area this season, both yourself, Sawson and Babraham, St Ivestown and Warboys, they're two sides that have amalgamated together. Is that have anything to do with it? I think there's there's that also winning's a habit. I think whatever division, whatever standard you play, if you if you're used to winning games, it, it's difficult to get out of that run. I mean, last season we obviously had a fantastic season where we won a lot of games of cricket. St Ives have obviously been the same, and although we've gone up a division, you know the formula stays pretty much the, the same. And you just well, the, the luck of the draw, I think, for us at the moment and for St Ives is that you know you're continuing that run. So it's just positive positive feelings around the club. I think really helps as well. Yeah, I umpired the St. Ives Warboys versus um, Histon game. Um, we started late because of the rain, but St. Ives and Warboys, they really bowled incredibly well. You know, and, and sometimes, you know, everything, like, like Callum says, you're getting a winning habit. I think they were disappointed only getting 119, but they bowled extremely well, caught some good catches, and, you know, they sort of uh, deserved to win. You know, it was, a, it was a good game of cricket, actually. Yeah, good game, and uh, glad for St. Ives that they're continuing that winning form. And it'd be interesting to see then how they go in the playoffs, assuming they make it. They're pretty much, pretty much there now, I think. Another win on the weekend would mean that they can only finish in the top five. And of course, for some of those top four teams playing each other, they're, they're pretty much destined to get into that that top four. Uh, let's talk about Marchtown. Then there's a cracking, cracking Derby Day victory on Saturday. Hey, a, a real nail-barter nail against, against Wisbech, but I bet you're glad you came through on the winning side. Yes, it was uh, uh, a very tense game, so I've been informed. Uh, any game that goes that close, when you want about 20 to win with about two or three wickets left, it's. Uh, uh, but obviously, Shardell and Ben Chapman backed extremely well. You know, Wisbridge are, are, are quite a good side. They're just not quite having the rubber degree, to be perfectly honest. I think last week against Histon, they, they chased 240 and just fell short. So... Uh, yeah, for me, when I got back to check what was going on, I was surprised and very pleased with the boys. You know, they'd obviously played, you know, above their stations on Saturday and managed to get over the line, which was great. Yeah, we spoke a bit, didn't we, kind of about sort of Wisbeach's start to the season and not being great. I guess they start to the season, we're sort of halfway through now. But the shortened season almost compounds their form. When you look at it in the table, it looks probably worse than it is because it's such a short season. And also then there's only a small number of teams in the league. Yeah, I mean... They're scoring pretty good runs, as Les said. I think the previous week they got, I think they finished six runs short of Histon, you know, Histon set them 250 and they got two four, you know, 252 and 246 respectively. Um, so they're scoring runs. Uh, I must admit, I think we got it both, I got it completely wrong the previous week. I said that if March can bowl them out cheaply, I think they got a chance. But if Wisbeach, you know, going on this form, if Wisbeach score over 200, you're probably back on Wisbeach the whole way. Um, so yeah, like Les said, I think March have obviously played relatively out their skin to bat that well, you know, in comparison to what they had done previous weeks. But yeah, I think, like we said, the league table that can quickly change for Wisbeach. A couple of couple of victories, and all of a sudden, it looks a lot more bright and rosy. Yeah, eighty three from Shuttle Brum, but I guess that's an innings column that just sort of glues it together. It doesn't really matter then if potentially players come and go around you, as long as he's there at the end. They got a good chance of getting over the line. Yeah, I think it just breeds an air of confidence as well from the rest of the lads. If they know that if they can stick around and you know support him, you're gonna you're gonna finish relative, you're gonna finish close. Yeah, he certainly did that on a, on the weekend. Um, fifth at the moment, Les played five one two, lost two, abandoned one, so ten points on the board. Do you feel that you've got to win your next two games, your last two games in the group to get into that top four? I think they have, and they're playing Foxton Histon, so it's not going to be very easy for them. So, uh, yeah, you know, fingers crossed they'll do their best, but uh, it's going to be very tough for them, I'm afraid. It's going to be tough for them. I saw Histon bowl on, on Saturday. It's, it's going to be tough for them, but uh, they can only go out there and play as best they can. And, of course, with a, a derby game like Wisbeach, obviously there's lots of derby games this week. We'll come to it later in the East Anglia Premier League, and I asked the guys who I spoke to this week about this, whether it really feels like a sort of rivalry when you play against these sides because I guess at this level at local level it's more friendly or, or you know the players you're playing against more so there's that more sort of friendly aspect or is it still a, a quite intense rivalry? I think people uh, especially like people who have played for Cambridgeshire and that they're, they're friends off the field 
but for a local derby on the field, you want to win. Uh, that's the thing. So there's that added edge to it, um, which you wouldn't have necessarily against other sides. But, you know, it's no different to football rivalries. You know, it's the same sort of thing, really. Uh, people sometimes get up for derbies and, uh, yeah, yeah. It adds a bit to the season, doesn't it, really? adds a bit to the season. Yeah, one of the benefits of these local groups, um, both in Whiting's and all the way down to the CCA, is that you get those those local games. Um, with regards to yourself, as a, as a sort of president of a club at the top end of those Cams and Hunts Premier Leagues, I want to get your thoughts on really where you think the, the game's going, the local game's going. For example, the playoff system, that's something that sort of crept into the game in the modern era. Are you a fan of it? Uh, it, it's certainly like last year, uh, well-played Sawston in winning the Whitings League, but they were so far in front of everybody that it ended up, I would think, towards the end of the season that no one was going to catch them. Uh, but if you had the finals like they do in Australia, where if you can nick the fourth place, you're then in a semi-final and you can get into the final, uh, it adds a bit to the season for the mid, mid-division teams. I suppose, to be fair, if you've topped all season and then you lose in the final, <laughs> you can be pretty gutted. But uh, it adds a little bit for, for other teams to play for, to be perfectly honest. Um, and I think we've got to keep, um, you know, cricket needs to change for the younger players, for them to enjoy. Um, if that's what the younger players want, then we have to sort of go with it. Unfortunately, most leagues uh, are run by sort of older people. Uh, which I'm one of them, I suppose. So, uh, you know, and, and you've got to go with what the younger players want because we've got to keep the game going. Uh, it's very important to try and keep cricketers playing. I was going to say, is your job now as president different to if you were president, say, 15, 20 years ago? Is it, is it a different role because you have to, like you say, perhaps go what the players want a bit more because the game is changing? Yeah, the game is changing now and you, and you have to go with what the players want, to be perfectly honest. You know, years ago it was friendlies. You know, uh, most young players have never heard of a declaration game and, and uh, things like that. All they ever want to play is league cricket. Uh, you know, and, and if that's what they want to play, then so be it. You know, we've got to abide by that, really. Yeah, lots of things like pink ball, colour kits, etc. Is that all things that you've, I guess, had to come to accept or, or leagues will have to come to accept more regularly in the future as well? Yeah, I, I think the players love it, don't they? They love turning out in the coloured kit, pink balls. That they, they probably, um, you know, it seems a little bit closer to the uh, professional game. And if that's what they want, you know, at the end of the day, uh, players buy a lot of kit anyway. So it makes no odds whether they have a coloured shirt or a, a nice white shirt as such, really. I had an issue when I first started playing the pink ball coloured stuff. I think that every opening batsman that went out in coloured pads and, you know, the pink ball, they all of a sudden thought they could bat like Brendan McCullum. <laughs> you know, it's talking about people getting above their stations. That I just said, come on, mate, Brendan McCullum's a professional cricketer in wax at Mars. It's not your gun again. <laughs> Anything to feel close to a professional as possible, I'll certainly take it. Um, let's quickly come on to your second team, Les, before we move on to other things. Uh, fourth out of fifth out of five in the CCA Group A, lost two from two, so not going great kind of so far. Face a tricky test at league leaders, Chatteris, on Saturday. So another sort of localish derby for them to get their teeth into and try and get their season up and running. Yes, yeah, they've been disappointing uh, this year. They're, they've lost one or two players for various reasons. Um, sort of second 11 players... Uh, I think a lot of people didn't think the season would start. And when they were talking about this level four playing cricket, they were talking originally of maybe six aside, eight aside, that sort of thing. And people sort of said, oh, I don't want to play that. And then suddenly uh, our prime minister said no to cricket on the Friday morning and then yes to cricket on the Friday afternoon, uh, which took a lot of people by surprise. And, and maybe our second 11 players haven't netted as much as they should have done to have got the season going. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see, but uh, hopefully they can get a result against Chatteris. That they they need it. If not, they're, they're going to really be struggling. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how they progress on Saturday. Yeah, let's see how they go. And of course, the nature of these groups is that every team has a playoff game at the end of for the start of September. Um, for example, if if uh, if March were to finish fourth, it'd be then fourth against the fourth place team in Group B as well. Uh, let's move on to the other division. Just round up Whiting's in Division 2 North. Castle and Ellsworth versus Ufford Park was abandoned. Two points each for them. Autumn Park beat Wisbeach Town 2s by 18 runs. So at the halfway point, there's three games to play still. And Castle and Ellsworth lead the way on 10 points. 
in Division 2 West. Wesley beat Hunterdon in District by six wickets. They moved to second, which is level on points with leaders Southfield Park. And in Division 2 South East, Saffron Walden lead the way. Currently played five, one, two, and abandoned three. Only played two games of cricket, but 14 points. Fox and Godolphin and Burl X-Wing, X-Wing behind them have games in hand, though. So you'd imagine that maybe at some point they might get overtaken due to those abandonment games. Callum, East Anglian Premier League. There were wins in the North Group for Cambridge, Mildenhall, Great Witchingham, and in the South Group for Suffern, Walden and Sawson and Babraham. The other match between uh, Sudbury and uh, Coplock, I think, was uh, was abandoned because of rain. But what a win for Cambridge. I guess that's the story this week, chasing over 300 against Swarston. I guess it's someone it sort of says the talent in the side they've got, but also brings into question why they're not able to produce that more regularly. Yeah, no, it was a fantastic result. I spoke to Zoom yesterday just about it and he said it was just an incredible chase. I think one side of the boundary was relatively short. But I think Chris Pepper coming and played what they call a ridiculous knock. He was just whacking everything for six. So it, it helps when you've got a player of that statue who comes in for, you know, a few weeks and obviously is a serious talent um, and plays in innings like that. I mean, I think it was maybe his first game of the season. So it's a fantastic win for him. Yeah, certainly was. And with regards to this week's fixtures, like I said, two local derbies, Burnexing versus Cambridge and yourself, Sawston and Baberham against Saffron Walden. Just quickly for yourselves, four from four now going really, really well. Um, I guess if you before the season, you'd have said um, you'd beat Frinton on sea as you did on the weekend. People would say, oh, you're not going to beat the champions. But it just shows how both your season's gone, that you've won every game and Frinton's season's gone, that they've lost every game, that you managed to beat them. Yeah, it was a, it's a strange format when it gets restricted down to 30 overs. We, we found it really... Well, they they batted first and they almost looked like they struggled to come to terms with how to approach the innings. It's not really... It's obviously longer than 2020, but you probably should play it more like a 2020 than a 50-50. But it was that kind of... It was just when, when you put your foot on the gas kind of thing. So their innings kind of never really progressed, hence the 135, I think they got. Um, and then the same with our battings. Once again, it was almost like, well, we've done really well to restrict them. Do we go out there and try and win it in almost 15, 20 overs? Or do we take it deep? But they both teams bowled really well. I mean, it was obviously helpful conditions for the bowling sides, but both teams are fantastic. And I think Charlie Lewis played well, a really good knock in the situation. He was 37 not out at the end, but really just calmed all the nerves. And like we said about the March, the March batter who bats through and gets 83. Well, if you have someone that does that, people can come in and around and you can float, you know, a couple of pinch hitters and all it took was one one decent over and then all of a sudden we're, you know, winning it comfortably. I mean, the scorecard looks a lot, with four overs left and four wickets, it looks quite a comfortable victory, but there was definitely points in that innings where it could have gone either way. Yeah, we managed to get the win and still sit top of the South Group, the only side left of a 100% record in the group. Um, just a quick word on this week, Saffron Morden, another one of those localish derbies. Yeah, they've come into some great form. We said, you know, the first game of the season where we beat them on the Duckworth-Lewis system, we said that obviously they probably underperformed and we, we had a very good performance. Um, but they've obviously got we, they've got some hitters in the middle that can take a game away from you. So it's going to be important to restrict them as much as possible. Well, Les Callum, thank you very much for now. Up next, after the break, we'll be rounding up the action from the rest of our East Anglian Premier League sides. Cambridge 105 Radio From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio Welcome back to From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. It's time to round up the rest of our EAPL action then and let's hear from Cambridge first of all. It's only right given that impressive victory in the North Group over Swarton on Saturday. Well, Swarton smashed 312 for five off their 50 overs and Cambridge managed to chase it down, only losing four wickets and with 14 balls to spare. Deminda Ranawira hit 117 not out. He was backed up by Pete Richard and Chris Pepper with vital knocks as well. For Cambridge this weekend, it's a local derby against Berlin Exing. As you can imagine, when I spoke to stand-in skipper Johnny Atkinson, he was still absolutely over the moon with a win over Swarston. Fantastic win against Swarston. Um, like you said, we, we went in with, with hopes of, of giving them a good game and you never know, uh, we, we might win, but to produce the performance that we did uh, was just fantastic. Everyone played their part. Bowling first, you think that they, them getting 312, you'd think it's not a very good bowling performance, but actually it was. The, the boundaries were um, extremely short and they've got class batsmen all the way down. So we actually thought we bowled quite well to limit them to that. And, and 
uh, in between innings, we thought we were definitely within a shout if we batted um, as well as we could. And we just knew we needed to keep wickets in hand. Um, and yeah, it was, it was brilliant. And it's given us a huge um, confidence booster to know that we've beaten who are probably the best club in the country. We had a long chat after the Swordston game. After all the jubilations and, and congratulating everyone on their performances, we said we need to remember how this, what this feels like to beat, beat them and carry on into next week and do not go into playing Burwell next thing and thinking we just need to turn up to win because we did that last year and we just about salvaged a draw. I mean, it's even more crucial against them because they're our local rivals and yeah, we, we like beating them. Johnny Atkinson from Cambridge Cricket Club there. Now let's get the thoughts from the Burn Lexington camp as they play Cambridge this weekend. Well, Burn Lexington unfortunately lost again on the weekend. It's four straight defeats for them at the start to this campaign. Great Witchingham posted 361 for eight off their 50 overs. Burl and Lexington can only muster 143 before being bowled out in 31.4. So a 218 run loss for Burl and Exing. However, they do play Cambridge on the weekend. It's a crucial derby match. And Jamie Seabrook says it's a fixture that's got more rivalry than most. I think Great Witchingham's a tough, tough game. They got off to a flyer. I think they were 90 for none off of 10 overs, something stupid like that. And then probably about 150 off of 20. So I think they got off to a very quick start and I think we just, we couldn't really contain them. It was quite a quick outfield because it was raining. So it just, it was very miserly all day. So it just completely zipped off the surface the whole day, pretty much the whole innings, I think. Uh, so at that point, the ball started getting quite wet. But I think once they started like that, we couldn't really recover too much. I wouldn't say it's flat. I think with the groups this year, I think we are almost considering mostly as much friendly season as we can. It's it's all about learning. Like Rips is trying a lot of different things, bowling spinners at different times of the game, opening with spinners, ending with spinners. I think it's everything's about learning this year. You can't obviously get relegated. There's not as much to fight for in that sense. Cambridge would be a great one to win. I think you see a lot of familiar faces. I think even the people like Pete, Pete Rich is now playing there. So it's an old bow old boy. So I'd say there's probably a little bit more rivalry than most. I think now that you're so used to everyone across the league, actually, there's, everyone's quite used to each other, especially the ones that there's quite a lot of home minor counties against each other all together across different clubs. So you do get to play with each other in different circumstances or then against each other in the league. There's definitely a different challenge there. Jamie Seabrook from the Burn Lexington camp there. Now let's hear from Saf and Walden, and it was another victory for them on the weekend by 120 runs over Bury St Edmunds, deposing 244 for seven from their 50 overs. They bowled Bury St Edmunds out for 124 in 31.2. Alex Sears, the man in form, who scored another important knock of 63 on the weekend, spoke to me earlier on today ahead of that local trip, very local trip, to Sawson of Abraham this coming Saturday. Alex Hears was full of praise for the South Group leaders, saying at the moment, they're certainly the team to beat. Well, when we left South Malden, it was monsoon season. We never, I never thought there was going to be a game on. It slowly get to Bury and it gets sort of really muggy and close and they took the covers off about an hour before the game. Felt like a bowl first day. We lost the toss and got sent in but, and we just tried to stick to our plan of our top you know, our top order going batting long uh, on trying to bat deep and, and take it deep and then letting guys come in and do some hitting later. And the, the, the boys at the top did really well. We're a very young side uh, at Walden and we're sort of taking our steps to improving over a sort of few years. Things don't happen like that uh, really quickly. I think Sawson have been on a journey in the last three years and have improved over those three years to the team they are now and they're, they're the team to beat at the moment. I personally really enjoy playing those guys. I remember like Jimmy Vanderpeer coming out to bat and I was just like complimenting his on drive and, and the kind of character I am personally, I don't really get riled up by. But I like playing, you know, you've got the guys like A.P. Stafford and Dan and, and I know them very well. So um, having a bit of banter with the lads in between balls and stuff like that, and I, and I, I love that. Obviously, league cricket is a little bit different, but um, I, I, I'll play the game the same way anyway. And even if I don't know them, I play the game the same way and they think I'm a bit strange. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Saffron Wolves, Alex Sears, they're always good value, is Alex. Let's move on to the quiz. And Callum currently leads, I think I've lost count now, Callum. Is it 4 0, 5 0? I think it's 4 0. Not that I'm keeping count. <laughs> he marks it with his chalkboard behind him. Uh, four 0 to Callum. Les Mills takes on Callum this week in Beat the Guest. Uh, this week, guys, we have five multiple choice questions for you. 
with uh, three answers that could possibly be right. One of the three multiple choice answers cannot be right, though. It's another one of those no balls. If you give me the correct answer, you get one point. If you give me a no ball, you lose a point. Answers don't go on offer, I'm afraid, as well. It's a penalty shootout format as well, so I'll ask you one question each. Les, as you're the guest, I will allow you to choose whether you want to go first or second. Yeah, I'll take the first ball. That's fine. <laughs> no problem then. Are we both ready? Both understand the rules? Yeah. So the first question for you, Les, is in the first test against Pakistan, who picked up both wickets of Pakistan skipper Azar Ali? Was it A, Sam Curran, B, Jimmy Anderson or C, Chris Wokes? That's a tester, isn't it? Jimmy Anderson. You're going with Jimmy Anderson. The correct answer is Chris Wokes, I'm afraid, Les. Okay. But I did watch the game, but obviously wasn't taking too much notice. <laughs> but thankfully, you have managed to avoid the noble. The noble was Sam Curran, as he did not play in the first test. No, I, I, I worked that out, so I got the 50-50. <laughs> Unfortunately, no points for that, though, Les. Uh, moving on to Callum to take the lead. Which England batsman has scored the highest individual score of the series so far? Ollie Pope, Zach Crawley or Chris Wokes? Chris Wokes. That is the uh, no ball, I'm afraid, Callum. <laughs> Chucked in a curveball there. Which England batsman? It's a harsh one, but I'm deeming Chris Wokes as an all-rounder. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> that is incredible. It's a very harsh quiz. Hold on. These are the easy questions. <laughs> Come on. What do you want? That is unbelievable. Why? He's <laughs> the batsman. He's got the highest score, isn't he? Which England batsman? Oh, oh, that is, um, okay, that's fine. <laughs> so you're creating the bowler batsman divide, aren't you? This, yeah. is the, this is the old yeah. adage in cricket teams. You've got the bowlers and you've got the batters. If Chris Wokes was on the world ranking, test world rankings, he'd be in the bowlers, wouldn't he? <laughs> He's not answering. Oh, dear. Right. <laughs> anyway, the correct answer was Ollie Pope, unfortunately. The no ball was Chris Wokes. So you're on minus one, Callum. Incredible. Les. Let's bring this back. Come on. Who are the defending champions of the Caribbean Premier League? Is it Barbados Tridents, Kingston Knight Riders or St. Lucia Zooks? I haven't a clue. Can you repeat them again? Barbados? Barbados Tridents, Kingston Knight Riders and St. Lucia Zooks. I'll go for Barbados. I haven't a clue. Barbados Tridents is the correct answer. Well done, Les. The first point on the board. <laughs> No, no coughing in the background, I hasten to add. I'm here alone. There's no coughing. Good to hear. Good to hear. We're not playing for a million quid, though, on this show. Oh, oh what a shame. Far outside the budget. Callum, do you know the, the noble for that one? Kingston Knight Riders would be the noble. That is true. That is true. Callum, to get back to um, positive numbers. <laughs> Which Barbadian-born cricketer took the most wickets in the CPL last season? Was it Hayden Walsh Jr., Jason Holder or Raymond Reifer? Oh, I'd go Holder. Well, the, the noble was Hayden Walsh Jr., not born in Barbados, born in the US Virgin Islands. He was the leading wicket-taker, but I said not born in Barbados. The correct answer... Right, was Ryman Rife, I'm afraid. He was meant to play for Frimpton last year. Was he? Mm-hmm. God, that would have been fun. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been enjoyable. <laughs> so Les still currently leads 1-0. Well, 1-1. Les, back to you. Which wrist spinner has a lower test match bowling average? Is it Nathan Lyon, Yassir Shah or Rashid Khan? Nathan Lyon. You've gone with Nathan Lyon. The correct answer... Is Rashid Khan now looking to avoid that noble? And unfortunately, you haven't, Les. Oh, Nathan, yeah. Nathan okay. Lyon, a finger spinner, not a wrist spinner. So, unfortunately. Oh, very harsh rules, this quiz, you know. <laughs> knocks you back to, knocks you back to, uh, to North, I'm afraid. It does. Callum, chance to get back on level terms. Which man in the top five England T20 wicket-takers of all time has taken the most? Is it A, David Willey, B, Chris Jordan, or C, Adil Rashid? 
I'm going to say Adil Rashid. Going with Adil Rashid. The correct answer was Chris Jordan. So unfortunately, I managed to get a point there. Have you managed to avoid the no ball? It was David Willey. He's sixth in the all-time England wicket taker list in T20. So you have done. So the scores remain as they are. Still minus one to nil. It's a high-scoring quiz again. <laughs> Les, in the match between Northamptonshire and Worcestershire in the Bob Willis Trophy yesterday, who scored the only century in the match? Was it Tom Fell, Gareth Berg or Harry Brook? How's your county cricket knowledge? Uh, that was a game that I haven't looked at uh, oh. yet. I had yeah. looked at the yesterday game, but um, uh, Tom Fell. Gone with Tom Fell. The noble was Harry Brook, Yorkshire batsman. The correct answer was indeed Tom Fell. <laughs> a nice guess there, Les. It was. <laughs> Callum, which South Group bowler picked up a hat-trick in the Bob Willis Trophy yesterday? Was it James Fuller, Simon Harmer or Matt Taylor? It was James Fuller. You are correct. First point, the Nobles, Matt Taylor, Gloucestershire, uh, plays a central group player. Uh, Simon Harmer didn't pick up a hat-trick, but James Fuller did. Back in the positives. And Les, because of that guess of Tom Fell, has managed to sneak up to one point. Les, question for you. Which right-handed batsman has scored more runs at the AGS Bowl? Joe Root, Joss Butler or Gary Balance? Which right-handed batsman has scored more test runs sorry, at the AGS Bowl? Gary Balance. Going with Gary Balance. The correct answer, Les, was Joss Butler. Okay. And unfortunately, Gary Balance is a left-handed batsman. So. I wondered that. <laughs> that is the that was the noble. No it was, and unfortunately, now going into the last question, you are drawing on nil point. Oh dear! So Callum gets this right, and he's managed to snatch and grab a quiz. Istanbul, Liverpool. <laughs> Callum to take the points. Which England T Twenty reserve player for the series against Pakistan? took their first international wicket against New Zealand. Was it Pat Brown, Rhys Topley or Lewis Gregory? I'm going to say Pat Brown. Only because Lewis Gregory's in the actual squad, isn't it? That's your logic. And that is correct. Lewis Gregory is in the actual squad. So you've managed to avoid the no ball. Have you got the answer right to take the quiz? You want a Pat Brown? And that is absolutely right. <laughs> Callum snatches it at the last and congratulations on the <laughs> Some would say justice after that harsh first question. I know that's what Callum's thinking in his mind. Yeah, yeah. Justice for guest. So Callum takes another quiz. He leads 5 0 now and still the guest has never managed to beat the guest. So congratulations to Callum once again. Les, what are your thoughts? Uh, they were rather hard questions, to be fair. I was expecting you to say who was Chris, uh, you know, um, Broad's 500th test victim or something like that, you know. Um, not who scored 100 yesterday. Hadn't caught up with that news yet. But anyway, well done, Callum. Apologies, Les. Apologies, Les. Can you answer that question? Uh, it was the same guy who Jimmy got out, wasn't it? Um, it was the, like the opener, Brathwaite. Yeah, correct. Yes. Full marks. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. So after the break, we'll be turning our attention to talk about England and the county game, as well as hearing Les's big question too. Cambridge 105 Radio. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Yes, you're listening to From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Callum's still reading about that question in the quiz, but hopefully he's all right now. As we tend the debate to uh, to England and counter cricket, before we do, Cambridgeshire were in action. Well, Cambridgeshire and Suffolk were in action over the last couple of days. Callum, you were playing it against Essex Twos. Essex Twos down at Chelmsford. Uh, I heard it was a very very close game, but you came out on the winning side. Oh, it's a good game. Both sides uh, tried to manufacture a, a result. If anything, um, they they batted really well for their first. I'd say the first. 40 overs of their innings, they batted really well, but they kind of went relatively slowly uh, at stages. So it gave us an opportunity to actually have a score that was 
you know, perfectly reasonable to try and get in a session and a half. So I think we got set two, three, six to win in about 53 overs. It worked out. So it worked out that, like I said, we manufactured a result after losing pretty much the first, well, we lost two and a half sessions because of rain throughout the, you know, in six sessions. That's quite a big, big chunk. Um, but, you know, it's a fantastic win. Good to see some of the lads for cams get a good run out. Uh, Timmy bowled really well, got three wickets. And then Lee Thomason got 60 odd not out at the end. So, uh, really good to see. Do we know any other cams fixtures that are on the horizon? So we've got two T20s this Sunday at Woolpit against Suffolk. Um, obviously, having played with a few of the Suffolk lads there, they're going to put out a really strong side against us. So it'd be a good challenge. Um, and then the following week, we've got a 50 over game against the same Suffolk side. So another good test. I think that one's going to be excellent. So good, good for us to have a good look at a few players. I think we're going to have a squad of about 20 that we're going to have a look at. In over the two games so it should be should be really good but I guess similar how to how cricket's gone both in the county game and locally it's still a chance for some players to impress exactly yeah and there's a few players that obviously they played the game at Alconbury against Bedfordshire and there's a few lads that have done really well there that have now been given the game in the game yesterday and also in the upcoming game so really good opportunity that's the way you get into the minor county stuff um, you speak to a lot of the lads and they're almost last minute choices last minute picks but you know you take your opportunity you, you stay in the side it's as simple as that so you know there's obviously been in the past players refusing to play and stuff or not playing and if you do that you're not going to get your opportunity again it's as simple as that because someone will come in and take take it how did our mate rishi get on against you for six he got 100 did he oh, only 100 then he got 107 he batted really well no he batted very very well um i think if I'm not speaking off record, I think he's going to go on loan at the end of this week to Leicestershire um, just to get some first-team game time. So that's really good for him. Obviously, he was speaking about being in the last year of his contract. Um, so to get some playing time for a first-team is going to be massive. Yeah, we wish him all the best of luck at Leicestershire. Hopefully, he can get some runs and uh, get some games under his belt for the end of the season is out. Uh, let's just wrap up some other news then. County Cricket England, etc. Starman County Cricket wins yesterday. Um, for Essex, they're now the only side to maintain their 100% record. They start the season after their win over Sussex. Derbyshire and Yorkshire drew, which means they can give it a 100% record. And somehow Somerset drew against Warwickshire. Worcestershire lead the way in the central group because of that rain-affected game at Edgebaston. Essex lead the way in the south group and Derbyshire in the north group. Uh, the T20 squad has also been announced for England's three-match series against Pakistan. It is follows Owen Morgan as skipper, Moen Ali, Johnny Bairstow, the more experienced three in the group. Tom Banton, Sam Billings, of course, he did so well in that series against Ireland. Tom Curran, Joe Denley, Lewis Gregory, Chris Jordan, Saki Mahmood, Darwin Malan, Adil Rashid, Jason Roy and David Willey. And the reserves are Pat Brown returning from injury, Liam Livingston and Reese Topley as well returning from injury. And lastly, South Africa women are not going to tour England next month because of coronavirus travel restrictions. The approaches had been set to play two T20s and four one-day internationals in England in September. And also a tri-series which had also been proposed for the summer, but India withdrew in July because of again, similar restrictions. The ECB, they say they're determined to play some women's cricket this year and are in talks with several other boards. Apparently West Indies are due to be interested. Um, they say they're working really, really hard, but I guess six months have passed now with no women's cricket. The domestic season doesn't start till the end of the season. With no women's cricket international level on for six months, what it will be, is that a worry that you might lose some of the next generation to other sports? I think it always is, isn't it? So I think it's uh, it is going to be a problem for cricket. I think cricket would have had a, a wonderful season if COVID hadn't uh, arrived on the scene. You know, after winning the World Cup, and you know there was so much interest in cricket, uh, and now people are looking at doing other things, uh, which is which is a big problem. Uh, but hopefully, you know, if the ECB, you know, sort of try their best to get the game available to people. Maybe we can have a big surge next year, but it is difficult this year to, to continue the interest. Yeah, sure. I think they are playing, they're playing the women's county cricket, aren't they? Yeah, it starts they're, end of August, yeah. Yeah, I think they're playing some friendlies. I've seen a few girls that I've, I know previously through county setups that are, are getting a go. So I suppose that that's the positive. We spoke about it before, about the Bob Willis Trophy and stuff, about how teams are going to take it. I think for women's cricket, a lot of these youngsters are getting a go. Hopefully, although you might lose a few, 
they can look forward to a lot as well if they're in a, in a setup. Last, before we go on to Les's question, third test against Pakistan. No real talking points, I guess, that starts on Friday, uh, other than whether which bowlers you sort of sort of rest. Really, there doesn't seem to be many problems with England's uh, test side, but I guess it's a must win for England purely because the rain affected the last one, and they want to win this series. So who do they pick, Callum? Do you bring Joffre Archer back in? Do you give Mark Wood a go? He hasn't played since the first test in, of the summer. Yeah, I think Woods may be the one that comes in. Um, he's obviously had a, a big layoff since the first test. Um, it's how his body's feeling, really. But obviously, the lack of overs that were almost played in the game, like you said, you're almost picking a team that's relatively fresh again. There shouldn't be too many injuries, you'd think. Um, I'd say for Pakistan, they're obviously getting... They carried on playing the other day purely on the basis I think to put a few mental scars in a few of the batsmen's head more than anything. I mean, they could have shook hands. I, think it was, I don't know if that was the earliest they could shake hands, but they obviously wanted to get a few more wickets because a couple of the lads are now going into the next Test match and haven't got too many runs under their belt. Yeah, it'd be interesting to watch that first. As I said, despite England leading the series, you feel it's a bit of a must-win because they want to win that series 2-0 and uh, wrap it up. I don't believe they've beaten Pakistan in a, a series for a good 10 years. I'm not sure how much that is because of the lack of cricket against Pakistan. But anyway, uh, let's let's move on to your big question then. Would you want to tell us what it is and we'll have a good old debate about it? OK, here we go. Is Test cricket still in the dark ages if bad light can still stop a Test match in 2020? I Great think question. there's 134 overs bowled over five days in the last Test match. I, I know there was rain, but bad light had a big issue as well. I think it was the shortest test match maybe since 1987, if I'm right. Might be not, maybe out for a few years. But I suppose I've got a positive response there. I've got a negative one as well. I think the, okay. uh, the positive one would be from a playing perspective and, you know, the health and safety aspect is that a lot of people that have played club level and stuff like that, it's really hard to gauge how quickly someone's bowling when it's 90 miles per hour. So that's where the light does come into... Play. I mean, that you're talking fractions, even comes down to ball movement and stuff like that. When someone's bowling at 90 miles per hour, it is, you know, fractions, the ball has to move, etc. So there, there is a health and safety aspect when it comes down to that with the light. The light has to be obviously a certain level and it needs to be in respect to the players that are playing the game. But then in addition to that, is that I think the other day, Pakistan were playing a T20 match, with, you know, a practice T20 match just after the test match had gone off play with no lights on. And the test match are walking off and they're playing their own T20 into, into you know, squad match. So that's where it's almost a little bit of a shambles. And as a spectator, you're looking at it and going, what is going on? So I suppose they're my two responses. I suppose you can look at it as a positive and a negative to an, expect, uh, an extent. Yeah, I guess as, at the end of the day, we want to play as much cricket as possible, don't we? And even when crowds are in there as well, even more so when crowds are in there too obviously inspire the people that are watching, value for money at the end of the day, if, if nothing else. There's a number of ways we could, I guess, solve this, because like Les says, there was, there was nowhere near enough cricket played in that in that second test match against Pakistan. Um, there's been talk of getting better flood, floodlights in. <laughs> I'm not sure how possible that is. Uh, one of the key talking points is starting early, though. Can cricket be flexible, especially when there is no crowds, there is no need... There was no sort of worry about bringing it forward and potential people travelling from a long way to get to the ground. You could just start early. I think on day four, two hours of good weather passed before 11 o'clock um, and then rain arrived at 12 and the players went off after 10 overs and that was it for the day. Um, is starting earlier something you'd be keen to introduce, Les? Yeah, I think it's something they should consider. But uh, you are right. When, when the paying spectator, uh, which hopefully will be back next year, if you're paid... 60, 80, 100 pounds for your ticket. Uh, you could be traveling, you know, like us from Cambridge, if you're traveling to Lords for a game of cricket, uh, you could, you know, you've got to set off fairly early if you have early starts. But I do think it's something they've got to consider. They've got to consider the paying customer uh, and try and get as much cricket as possible. I think one of the things sometimes is, um, you know, they'll, they'll play for so long and then they'll go off for lunch when they've had a late start and things like that. Somehow they, they need to be a little bit more flexible to, uh, obviously, as Callum said, you've got to look after the players, but also the paying spectators when they're there as well. Yeah, and in the, the playing perspective as well, it's it's the health and safety, but also people are playing for careers and stuff like that. So, for example, yeah. if you're comparing people's stats 
I mean, if Dom Sibley, for example, Rory Burns the other night we, or the other day when it was relatively bad luck, they went off maybe five overs later. That goes against him and that could potentially, for some people, in some, some cases, that can be the difference between getting another central contract and not getting another central contract. So that's the other, you know, from a playing perspective, you've got to look at it that way. Whereas someone might score in glorious sunshine on a flat one. He's then, you know, had five innings in a row where, we, you know, he could have gone off a bad light. It's, it's that balancing out that way as well. Are you happy with the? Are you happy with the current sort of situations regarding bad luck? Then, Callum, are you are you just fine as it is? I, th- I think they need to be better. And like you said, I think fl- the flexibility they've got with this COVID situation is that they can go. They can play early. Like I said, they're, they're in the bubble. They're in the hotel, literally next to the ground. You can start whenever you want, as long as you, you know, the umpires need to make that call with both teams to say, look, sh- yeah, it would happen in club cricket if you know brains about and you phone up the opposition and say, by the way, can we start? You know, umpires get everyone on board. Do you want to start early and put the put the question to the teams? Because, um, like you said, everyone wants to watch the cricket. You want as much cricket in a day as possible. And, like I said, you don't want to let two hours of good weather pass before you go out there and then, you know, you know the rain's coming at half eleven, and you're almost just going, "Well, we can get a few overs in," mm. and then the rain comes inevitably, and it's game set and match. Yeah, I'd, it really, really frustrates me. Again, I, I just think about it from a spectator. I guess potentially you'll think it kind of maybe from more from a player point of view. You have more sort of. I guess understanding of facing a a quicker bowler, etc., and and the challenges that lies for players. But again, I think if cricket's competing with so many other sports now, and kids want to watch often things that happen quickly, but also they they don't potentially want to watch for too long. If they're watching cricket and they go for rain, they're going to turn off and put something else on. And likewise, are you really going to get kids going to watch cricket if their whole day is spoiled by some umpires saying we can't play because it's too dark when you've got four floodlights? Round the ground. That's very difficult to explain to any any sports person as well as a, a young cricket fan. I just think they need to do everything they can, absolutely everything they can, to get the game on. Whether they use a pink ball when it gets too dark for the red ball, I know they talk about it sort of swinging less and it goes out of shape relatively quickly. But again, if you want to keep people interested in the sport and especially kids and, and the younger generation interested in Test cricket, you've got to play the game. You can't have a few hours lost because of it, it's too dark. It just doesn't really seem right. Um, yeah, it's a tricky one because, like you say, the safety is paramount. But can they really not just get on with the game? It just, and maybe that's just too simplistic for me to say. But it does seem like they're faffing around a lot. And it used to be they used to give the batsman the option. Remember that? Mm. Used to give the batsman the light. Yeah. It seems that's just now gone completely out the window. As soon as it gets under a certain, you know, light. I mean, there's teams that would prefer to do it because it's just, it's just sometimes it's just as hard to field as it is to bat. I mean, you've seen the the old Pakistan footage where they're out in the field and they can't pick up the ball because they were purposely time wasting. Uh, it can be just as difficult. So some batting sides will say we can actually take a slight advantage of this. Um, not that many do. Many are just happy to they're halfway off the field before they've been asked. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing, another option as well, Michael Vaughan said that broadcasters should say we want some of our money back if we lose overs. So ask back for a percentage of the fee they've paid for the rights. If they go off a bad light or bad bad weather, I imagine it's more for bad light, then they'd the the, the decision makers in the game would start worrying a bit about it. Les, what's your thoughts on it? You asked the question as, a, as an umpire as well. Yeah, I think they've just got to try. Uh, the player's safety is very important, but they've got to look at more flexibility. Like you say, Starting at 11 o'clock, maybe they could start at half past 10 sometimes. Um, you know, sometimes, may, you know, could, could lunch be limited a little bit if they've lost uh, light? They've just got to look at some ways of looking after the paying customer, really. Um, you know, to try and get the game on for us all to enjoy. Certainly so. Could we take this to a local level as well? Perhaps, maybe not obviously in bad light and metres, etc. But more in the fact of how we faff a bit too much. I mean... Do we need to start at one thirty now, um, and it goes on till sort of six, seven o'clock? Or again, do we need forty-five minutes for tea? I think perhaps the pandemic has showed that we don't necessarily need as long at tea as we do because the number you. But all I bring is a stale sandwich from the night before or something. And get it. Go on. Obviously, this game I've just just played them. Then what they do is we obviously lost so much game game time on the first day that they actually made the sessions two hours fifteen, and we started at quarter past ten yesterday. So you have less time, by the time, you know, you're still finishing at six o'clock, near on six o'clock, but you're getting slightly more cricket in. And, you know, that progresses, your lunch is slightly shorter, your teas are slightly shorter. Like you said, you really need 40 minutes for lunch. 
at the moment? Probably not. Mm. You just, just it's a pasta dish or a sandwich or whatnot, and then you can pretty much you know it's done in five ten minutes. As an umpire, I do, I do enjoy the teas, <laughs> 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 but maybe you don't need quite as long. And certainly, if both teams, I found Saturday it, it started raining, so we delayed the start. And we decided to limit the, the, the tea break, uh, cut it down, just to ensure that we could get a game of cricket. You know, I think most players at club level, if they've given up their Saturday afternoon or their Saturday, they want to play. And I think normally, as I think Callum probably mentioned earlier, the umpires and the captains can sort it out so people can actually have a game, which is, you know, the most important thing, really. Yeah, and the thing you mentioned is about people give up the Saturday, but not because they want to sit and eat cake on a field they do it because they want to play cricket they want to play yeah. the game and I guess even at senior and junior level Callum we could potentially cut down tees maybe make the start time earlier or we talk about the weeks before maybe reducing over slightly to make it a shorter sharper game people then can spend the time afterwards can't they eating drinking putting money back into the club well yeah this goes back to the original point of overs and limiting you know down the lower levels do you play less less overs because for example the t20 games that we play you don't you don't have a tea break at T20s. It's a quick five-minute changeover. And you have your lunch after the first game in the minor county stuff. So that's pretty much what you do on a Saturday. You'd actually probably, if you're going down to a 30 over a side or 35 over a side, do you really need a tea break? Or is it just a 10-minute changeover, quick another bite to eat and then back out? I suppose that these are all options that, you know, like you said, this COVID situation has scuppered a lot of plans, but also it's meant that secretaries and leagues are about to really come together and think of new ways of going about their, their their structure, basically. Yeah, it goes back to what we said at the start, wasn't it, Les, around, you said that the, the decision makers are generally older people, but it's now the attention is turning to what players want, which I think um, whoever's making the decisions, whether they're young and old, the key thing is making sure you need to give what players want. Absolutely. Les, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks very much for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it and uh, well done on the quiz, Callum. <laughs> <laughs> and go well on Saturday with March as well, Les. OK, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. We're out of time on this week's From the Pavilion. Thank you very much for tuning in to Cambridge 105 Radio. Stay listening as well because Tim Willett with a new music generator is up next. Tim presents Cambridge 105 Radio's flagship show dedicated to local and unsigned music. Just to mark your cards sports coverage-wise over the next few days on Cambridge 105 Radio. Saturday at 12pm, the 105 Sports Special returns. Another weekly roundup of all the local sports news. And on Sunday at 6pm, the countdown continues to find Cambridge United's Game of the Decade. This week, delighted to say, we have Delano Sam York on the show. So I wonder if you can guess which is number two in the countdown. From the Pavilion returns next week and make sure if you've missed any of today's show you download the podcast on the Cambridge 105 Radio website and our social media platforms. Thanks very much for listening once again and until you hear from us next week stay safe and well. See you then. Bye-bye. Cambridge 105